Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today to discuss the Brentford game coming up on the weekend, a Southwest London derby early in the season, off the back of a great start to the year with a 1-0 victory against Everton. Here to discuss it all and discuss everything Fulham we have. Sammy, how are we going? Sam's tired. Kind of feels like I've taken a red-eye flight. I am dehydrated, but I have water here. And yeah, no, excited to delve into Brentford. Let's let's see what lies underneath that curtain, behind that curtain. Words. I think you just need to uh, drink a lot more water because dehydrated, I reckon, pops up very often in these intros. It's a it's a it's a running thread in my life. It's a running complaint <laughs> that Paris has listed about me. I like to attribute most things to lack of hydration. Fair enough. And Dad, how are we going tonight? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Uh, yeah, I feel like I've been on a bit of a roller coaster. Um, Why? Well, what happened? What have you guys been doing all week? Uh, what 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 were you doing last night? I don't know about you, but oh, I watched yeah, the game so of football. True. Oh, so true. Actually, don't. Yeah, no, that's. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's almost. Almost managed to block that out of the memory, but yeah, what a game that was last night between the Matildas and the Lionesses, and um, just a really good example of how far women's football has come. I, I think I, I tweeted that after the game. It was a really high quality game, played out in really good spirits between two really strong teams, um, and yeah, I think a, a great advertisement for the women's game, and I got a, got a bit of engagement with the um, Fulham women's team as well, who. You know, obviously, you're going to be 100% behind the Lionesses on uh, on Sunday for the World Cup final. So, yeah, I mean, how how good was that game? Oh uh, man, I like I, I I aged significantly after that game. I was I was at, I actually watched that at a pub, which was a really good vibe. But like uh, when Sam Kerr scored like so, that sick sick goal. Oh my god! The roof literally went off the the place I was at. It was, oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. But like at the same time, um, when your entire attacking strategy is just wait for Sam Kerr to do something amazing, it has a lot less to be desired, you know. So it was a slow yeah, to, burn. To be fair, uh, I think it it's it was always going to be built up enormously. And yeah. it was, and the yeah. crowd wanted a lot, and Australia expected a lot. But realistically, it's the pointy end of the tournament, and um, England are a very good side. They've got that. Um, that they, they interestingly, Australia are this fresh-faced, playing with the wind at their back. You know, just kind of squealing, giggling. Uh, excited girls just loving their life at the moment. Yeah. And um, England, I have to say, uh, kind of just a bit more experienced in the dark arts, you know. And I think um, probably um, they just snuffed Australia out in key moments, control the game, really well organised. Um, I don't know. I don't, yeah. No, sorry, Dad, you go. Uh, yeah, look, I think they're a really great side and deserve to, to win. And I think um, in many ways, Australia um, 
for a huge part of the game kind of didn't turn up. Um, yeah. And we're just probably um, a bit overcome by the moment and the opposition, I think. It was really funny, actually, when I was watching the game surrounded by people who don't typically watch football because in the last three years, my football consumption has just gone up like crazy. So I'm in, I'm I'm ingesting a lot of football at the moment. So literally, I was just watching the game just kind of just knowing that it was bad. And I was just surrounded by so many people who had so much hope, so much hope. But I could just see that like the one-on-ones, we weren't winning and our formation was weird and like they uh England were committing so much more players to like the box and just winning almost every single overlap and uh, I was it was really hard it was almost kind of like I knew a secret when I was watching that game but yeah no I think you're 100% right the experience really showed with England I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far I don't think um Australia were actually that bad I think Australia no, played well it's just England, England, a very, very good side, and yeah. comfortably the the skill level was just that step yeah. above. The balls being put into the box were much, much better, well placed. Mm-hmm. People getting into the right positions, hit with a bit more whip, a bit more pace, and you know there were often yeah. times where we were floating the ball into the box rather than actually putting a bit of pace on it. And it's just mm-hmm. those simple things. And you know, as um, Ash on our live stream um, is is saying, you know the the Matildas are where England were two World Cups ago, and Absolutely. it's what I said after after the um, after the game when we watched it together, Dad. Um, I said this is in two World Cups time when all the twelve and fourteen year olds who are watching this game go. Actually, you know what? I'm going to make football my sport, and they're they're twenty year olds at the next World Cup, and they they've dedicated the last eight years of their life to being footballers rather than moving down and being AFL players or rugby players or netball players. And they've actually chosen that, that as a sport off the back of this world cup. Um, It's It's going to be, the future is very bright for, for the Matildas, which is good. And look, I think England are are comfortably the best team in the world at the moment, based on their recent performances. And um, I I really hope England go all the way and win it because I think they deserve to off the back of their recent performances. Um, yeah, me too. And yeah, no, it, it's been it's been a really good World Cup so far, and um, I think just getting more people watching the women's game is hugely important. And the best thing, or the most important thing from here, is to actually follow it through and not just let it die off after the World Cup. It's to yeah. get along to the Fulham FC women's games. Um, you know, they're offering season tickets for the first time ever this season, so highly recommend people follow the women's game a little bit more closely. And we're going to try and cover it a bit more closely through the year as well. And, you know, go to the games, um, engage yeah. with them and, and support them more and continue to grow that side of the game because it's just as important as the men's side and we really need to keep pushing it and, and making it grow even further because it's exciting and people people love it. Awesome. Um, let's just quickly recap the Everton game. Obviously, I wasn't able to join you guys early this week, but, um, you know, what can only be called a smash and grab with a 1-0 win against Everton – um, I think at the end of the day, you've got to take it for what it is. We didn't play very well. Um, Mitro came on, Pereira came on um, and changed the game for us. And I think that was the only difference, really, um, that and Burnt Leno turning into a superhero. Um, Dad <laughs> and Sam, your thoughts? Do you think? I mean, obviously, we didn't deserve to come away from that with a win, but do you think that's a bit of a sign of how far Fulham have come where we can actually get 
wins off the back of fairly poor performances. It's something last couple of times we've been in the Premier League, we haven't seen at all. We just let those games slip away from us completely. But now we're actually starting to see Fulham take home points off the back of what you could call poor performances and, uh, you know, not let these opportunities slip. I'm I'm just smiling that um, we did a podcast about this a couple of days ago and you've slid a slide in because you want to talk about it. I love it. Well, I, I want Jack to talk about it. Let him, man. Let him. Very Let him. Let him. Dude, no, no. Let's, let's, no. Let's indulge Jack. Jack wasn't here to do it, so I, I want to give it to him. Um, uh, Wait, okay. So what was the question? <laughs> um, no, yeah, I know. It's massive positive. Massive positive because, yeah, no, you're 100% right. Like, a crap game for us um, under, say, like Scott Parker, that's that's a that's a three nil defeat. So for us to actually have totally. a relatively poor performance and still come away with a one nil, whether we deserved it or not, that's I mean that's volumes compared to where we are. And yeah, again, a, a, a bad performance with not our ideal starting uh, lineup. Mm. I mean, that's. Uh, what, what, it's it's incredibly positive if you look at the big picture. Yep, and I, I said it the other night. Um, uh, I, I guess football is a game where you don't necessarily need to stitch together ninety minutes. Sometimes you do against a, a great side, but against an ordinary side, you can get away with murder. And uh, if if you do the right things, or you're fortunate. In big moments, you can uh, you can walk away with the points, but it is I think what we're all saying is it is um, a story of maturity and just professionalism, and um, probably degree of self belief because you could easily go to sleep in a game like that and become despondent that things aren't going your way or you know whatever and kind of mentally drift out of the game, and then suddenly. Uh, they nick one against you, and whilst you, it was probably evens, you 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 go away with nothing. And I love it that there is that belief to keep gambling and 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 trying things and and walk away with the points. And as I also said the other night, I mean, I I'm very grateful for the three points um, in in this over this first three or four fixtures because I think it's going to be tough. Oh, he's going to be tough. Well, it's something we discussed um, before the season started is, you know, looking at our schedule and seeing Brentford, Arsenal and Man City in the next three games from here, we could easily walk away from those games with, with zero points. It's not off the cards. I'm, I'm hoping we get something out of those games, but to pick up three points in this game is actually incredibly important because, you know, before the first game we were saying what happens if Silva can only, only picks up one point in his first five games. Um, mm. all of a sudden there's a lot of pressure on the manager. And even though we all know that the schedule is pretty tough, it still doesn't look good when you're not picking up points. And now we have the possibility to go into the games against Arsenal and Man City with maybe six points under our belt that we just weren't expecting to have. Um, and it, it does lift the lift the weight off the shoulders of those players going into those tough games. So, um, uh, yeah, huge positive to get a result there. And, uh, Good to continue our winning streak at Goodison after many, many, many years of hurt and nothingness. Um, Can I also yeah, say, on, Jack, that that it's 
It's so important for this Fulham side and under the management of the, or the ownership of the Khans, where we clearly have such a slow start um, or such a late finish to the transfer window that many other clubs are already well set with, you know, a fresh squad and off to the races and we're playing catch up for the first month. So to, to steal three points is huge given the state mm. we're in. Oh, yeah. definitely. I mean, considering the, the transfer window closes uh, just before the Man City game, it's possible that we won't have our strongest 11 for the season available until the fourth game of the season. Correct. And so to pick up points before we've even got a, what, what could you, what you could call a full strength team is, is so important because, you know, later down the track, we, we should be expecting to beat Everton comfortably. I would have thought based on pulling in a couple of extra signings over the next, what have we got two weeks left? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge result. And I think, um, a really great way to start the year. But obviously, second game, first home game of the season, Fulham taking on Brentford, as I said, in the West London derby, uh, Saturday the 19th of August, a 3pm local time kickoff. That's 10pm Western Australian time and a midnight kickoff Eastern time. Uh, and in the US, 7am Pacific time and 10am Eastern time. Um, Dad and Sam, just your initial thoughts. Brentford had a pretty good start to the season with their draw, two-all draw, um, and, you know, looked like they're not missing Ivan Tony too much at this stage. Um, and Bermo and Wissa playing up front both looked pretty handy. And, you know, Brentford continued to play a, a fairly good brand of football, really. Sam, your thoughts on Brentford as an opposition this weekend? Oh, look, I mean, outside of Tony, I still think Brentford are a pretty serious squad. If anything, Tony complements that squad than them fully relying on him because he's been injured before and they've still been impressive. They still, they've still been impressive. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like this is probably going to be the best indicator of where we are. Um, obviously we've still got some injuries and then some uncertainty around certain players, all the same kind of riffraff. Um, so I feel that this game is probably going to be quite indicative of where we're potentially going to know where our strengths and weaknesses are, because you're not going to be able to tell it really against Everton and you're not really going to be able to tell against Man City. And so I, I don't know really... Um, how this is, game is going to pan out. I'm going to be optimistic and say that we're going to walk away um, with a positive result here. But I think that's me just being more hopeful than anything. I actually don't know. Um, and again, it kind of just comes down to who we have available because um, Lukic over Polina, I don't really want that for this game. Uh, I'd like to see Mitrovic start, but I don't really know what his future is. Um well, we'll get in. Yeah. We'll get into the lineup in a minute, Dad. Your thoughts on Brentford? Did you manage to see any of their their first game of the season? I, I saw <clears throat> saw very brief highlights. Um, look, for as a, as a continuation of all the things we were just talking about, I this would not be my choice of fixture, and certainly neither would the Man City and Arsenal fixtures um, be my choice of opening run for us. We're slow starters. Mm. In an ideal world, we'd play the 
most likely bottom four teams um, in the Premier League uh, to begin with, because we're just never at our best. And mm. I mean, when you when when you go back a year ago to the first game last season against Liverpool, that was actually remarkable when you think about mm. how well we performed. Oh yeah, and how bright we looked and how competitive we were. Maybe it said more about Liverpool than it did about Fulham, but I don't think so. I think, I think we were very, very bright, and it it just feels like, um, in four weeks' time, we're probably. I have no doubt. I have no doubt we're going to do some business. You know, we've seen this all before. There's nothing that mysterious about the way that Tony Khan likes to do business we will sign some players and there'll be a couple of surprises. There'll be a couple of, you know, cheap ass purchases and I'm sure we'll get some loans and, and we will have a bunch more players in a month's time. But for us, where we are now, you know, Polini is surely not going to play 90 minutes. Um, Pereira is probably still not ready to play 90 minutes. And yeah. that, that makes us, a pretty weakened side, really. So nevertheless, we're fronting up, but it's going to be really tough. It can be really, really tough. I just hope that, uh, you know, obviously Mitro's cape, if you get the ball to Mitro and he plays and he's got his head screwed on, um, I, I think he can score against anyone. So I'm not worried too much about that, but it's it's kind of a lottery. But what I really want to see is a massive improvement on our defending from last week. Because mm. if we defend against um, Brentford like we did last week. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy, you had something you wanted to say? Oh, I've kind of forgotten it. Uh, <laughs> um, I have uh, this. Where, 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 glad I, yeah. I threw to you. Um, yeah, cool. What I will say, I, I don't know if you remember when we looked at the um, the second time we played Wolves last year in the league. And we went back and looked at the first time we played Wolves, which I think mm. was the second or the third game of the season. And yeah, we looked yeah, at yeah. the players who were left on the pitch at the very end of the game. And we're looking at Mbabu, Torres, Francois, Jay Stansfield. Yeah. And, and you look at how far we came in that transfer window and how many players we signed and how different our 11 and even our extended squad looked a couple of games later, effectively. I think there's a long way still to come. And, so, and you know, we are being slow in this window. There's players like hudson Adoy and Damari Gray who should have been finalised weeks ago and they're just <sighs> dragging on slowly. There's the whole Mitro situation, which we'll talk about later as well. But the, the, this team that's going to come out and, and play against Brentford this weekend is not the team who are going to play against Brentford later in the season. Uh, I'm certain there's going to be a couple of extra players added to the squad who will be starters by the end of the season. So... I think we just isn't it, we just try and yeah, it's just so problematic though, isn't it? Because I, you know, I I, <laughs> I know we're going around, but I, I I don't know what the history. Um, you, I'm sure you'll have a better understanding, Jack. But the transfer window, for sure and certain, must have started the summer transfer window. Must have started after the end of, um, you know, the last game of the season, and must have closed initially prior to the start of the next season. It surely worked like that. And then, you know, it got pushed well, no, out. They did, they, so there didn't used to be a transfer window, full stop. It used to just be open open game. Um, 
you know, go go for gold, bring in players whenever you want throughout the whole season. There was no no restrictions sure. on it. But and when then the transfer they, window came in, was it's always it, did been it always September? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah. amazing um, because if if I were Tony Card, I'd battle battle for that to be changed because it's such a disadvantage to us because other people do their business. It, it's get their it's teams not in. though because um you know the the transfer window oh. doesn't open till the first of July, but we stayed in the Premier League. We should we know that we were going to be a Premier League team next season. Um, we've had since mid to end of May to do our transfer dealings, and this is all we're, true. What, We've three, four months down the track and haven't done anything. What um, I'm saying is an overlap to the end of the, the transfer window and the start of the season is really bad for us. It it doesn't it doesn't work in our favour because we do mm. never manage to actually get our team re- our transfer business done before the end of the transfer window. And you know you see a lot of t- sides bring in players, have a good preseason with them, settle them into the squad. And we seem to scramble every year, and I don't, I don't think it's ever going to change. Realistically, You're, we're never going to do all of our business before the season starts. But um, at least we've got a good manager who seems to integrate players very quickly into the squad. I think that's that's the positive we can take from it. It's for me, it's just like dancing with the stars level, like bollocks and pageantry, because it's very like it's very systematic. As you said, it's like the same thing happens every year. And is I just I find it so infuriating because we'll we're, we're going to make all of our signings like like forty eight hours before like the transfer window closes, and so that just annoys me to hell, and I can't do anything about it. But it then again, me. if we if we beat Brentford and lose to Arsenal, get a draw with Arsenal, and you take away six points from those three games. Um, can we complain that much if we've done all our transfer business and picked up six points in three games? Probably not. Well, that yeah, maybe. I don't uh, yeah, know of, co- of, co- of course not. But but we're being asked to do so much and actually move mountains when the playing field isn't level because of the way sure. we do business. But being devil's advocate here, um, we, we're doing a good job. So why would you change it? If we if we. If we do get really no, dangerous, dangerous logic, well, we're getting very yeah. good commercial deals out of it by doing our business late. Um, we're winning games and staying in the Premier League now. I mean, it's it's, it's hard to sort of oh, argue but, against the way we're actually doing it at the moment. It's just, it's frustrating but, but, as fans because we want it to be done quickly, and it's frustrating I, for I, the manager. But it still works. Yeah, but, I, I think it's intensely frustrating for the manager. Once, once you know in which like, people do things, though, and you un, like you establish like a precedent of how things should be, that's literally when people take advantage of you. So that's when you like have more impetus to essentially change up your tactics and either be more aggressive or um, uh, go about things in different ways. Because then you're we're, we're basically asking for thing bad things to happen to us if we make ourselves predictable. We're getting into a philosophical debate right now, which I'm quite about. I don't think, about. I don't think we're predictable. We're, we're doing your business late doesn't make you predictable because we we actually um, are c- quite clever about the way we do our business. I don't think it's predictable at all. The, like the Leno deal was completely unpredictable. I never would have thought we'd go for a player like Leno and pick him up for an absolute pittance. Um, I think that's where they, they, they're actually being quite smart is how they come in and 
and do these deals that we just don't expect them to do. And they come out of nowhere. I mean, picking up someone like Hudson Odoi, I know it's not finalized yet, but he was a 70 million, he had a 70 million pound bid rejected for him two years ago. And we're talking about signing him for under 10. It's, it's if we don't if we don't sign Hudson Doy, I will be livid. I will actually be furious if we don't sign oh. Hudson Doy. Not 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 because like I desperately want the player, just on the principle of how annoyed that I will be if we do not sign Hudson Doy. <laughs> well, it's by no. I mean, you can talk about how clever it is getting a seventy million pound player, recently valued at, for ten. But if you don't get them. Well, you get them a month. Well, if, if you get them a month late, that's annoying. You don't get them at all because you're nickel and diamond. Absolutely, it's not that at all. absolutely. Well, you look but at anyway, look look, someone look, like Fred we'll who's gone over to Turkey, for example. Uh, we missed out mm -hmm. on, a, on a, an opportunity there where I think he wanted to come to Fulham as well. Um, mm -hmm. But you sort of, you know, I think, at the end of the day, you do have to back the the management a little bit here and say. We obviously had a limit that we were going to go to, and based on his age and multiple other factors, we wouldn't go past that. And I, I, I do respect that in a way. We always say let's let's back Silver, and I know, I mean, if Silver oh, was no, really unhappy, he wouldn't be at the club anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Managers always put pressure on on the owners, and they can easily just walk away, like we saw Lopetegui do at Wolves. Um, he just said, "This is not what you told me it would be like," and he's gone. Um, Let's have a very brief look at the table. It really doesn't mean much at the moment because Good we're one table. game into the season, but um, only big clubs in the top six. And um, obviously Brentford with that result against Tottenham as well, sitting um, fairly fairly nicely in uh, the top half. But hopefully a win keeps us in that top half as well, going into a rough little run of fixtures. Uh, let's have a quick look at possible teams. So... Um, I've gone with a couple of changes here for my possible lineup, um, but I think there's a few things to discuss here as well. I, I've, well, I'll start by saying Leno, obviously, in goal. Across the back for Tete, Diop, Robinson, and then I've gone for Calvin Bassey to come in over Tim Ream, who I thought was a little bit disappointing in the Everton game. Um, in defensive mm. midfield, I've gone with Polina coming in for Lukic, I've seen he's been back in full training, full contact training as well this week. So I reckon he's probably going to be in the squad. He might not start, but I, I reckon based on how lightweight we looked defensively in the midfield, I think it'd be better to rush him in for this game and have him then rested against uh, Arsenal and Man City than actually miss him out in this game. Uh, similarly with Pereira, I've said Pereira comes into the side for Tom Kearney. I think Tom Kearney looked a little slow and I'd put that down to early season, uh, maybe fitness issues and just sharpness issues. Um, uh, I think when Pereira came on, we saw such a big difference in the way Fulham actually moved the ball around. And I think if we stand any chance of winning, we need Polina and Pereira both on the pitch. Uh, and then out wide, Wilson and Willian and then Jimenez up front unchanged. I, I think there's an outside chance of Mitro getting a start, but I reckon knowing Silver and knowing whatever we think he should do, he doesn't do, he'll start with Jimenez. Um, Dad, your thoughts on the lineup there and those potential changes? Uh, well, don't disagree that Bassey should play instead of Tim Ream, um, but I'm not... I'm, I, I couldn't call that because mm. I was 
mightily surprised by Tim Ream actually being selected to start against Everton. Yeah. So I, I I just don't know. I don't know. I, I did hear that um, in Silver's view, Bassey is not Premier League ready, which surprised the hell out of me because I thought he looked um, incredibly Premier League ready. So I don't know the answer to that. I'd, I'd obviously love to see Polina and Pereira start and be able to play 90 minutes. I'm not even sure they're going to start. Uh, we don't know. I think this would clearly be my ideal team. Um, but I don't know. Jimenez versus Mitro. Don't know. Don't know what's going on there. You know, I think we, we think we know what's going on with Mitro. We, we think we know that until something happens or doesn't happen, Mitro is um, happy to play for Fulham. That's what we're being told. Um, he certainly didn't look like he had any anything but desire to to play well when he came on against Everton. So um, perhaps all that is, of that is true. But I kind of I kind of agree with you that I think Silver, you can't doubt. Um, Jimenez's effort every time he's pulled a shirt on. And I think Silva's desperate for him to score and actually get some huge confidence. Yeah, he nearly did seconds before he was substituted against Everton, right? And um, I, I think even if Mitro, Mitro comes on and plays 20 or 30 minutes to to try and nick a goal if we go behind or if we're, you know, if we're um, nil-nil or 1-1 one, one or something like that, Mitrovic comes on to try and change things up. But I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if Jimenez is actually given a go. Sammy? Uh, I think Mitrovic starts. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, no, no, I, no. I, 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 like, uh, I really like Jimenez. I'm down for the experiment. I want to see where it goes. I mean, I I, I love the um, Vinicius story arc last year, and I feel that um, Jimenez has the potential to be an even better one. Um, when Mitrovic came on the other day, though, uh, there was a clear disparity in quality between the two players. Um, I think for this game, I would want to get points on the board as early as possible and essentially let everybody else do the work following that. Oh, I'm getting delirious. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I want Mitrovic to start pending. He isn't going to be standing around a whole bunch of sand in like a week's time. Well, I, I agree. I think Mitro should start. I would like to see him start. I think we're a better team when he plays, and I think we saw it, nothing against Jimenez. Similarly, when we were talking about Vinicius last year, I think, um, you know, they, they have positives to their game, but they're just not Mitro. And the players out on the pitch as well are all so suited to Mitro's style, having played a full season with him and, in some cases, multiple seasons with him. So it makes sense to to play Mitro if he's available, um, there's a lot of chatter that the deal will be going down possibly today while we're discussing this podcast. So I'm occasionally checking um, Twitter just to make sure that we don't um, accidentally podcast and completely miss the massive news. But at this stage, 
uh, no further information. So, look, I, I think Mitro should start if he is uh, fit and available. I know we saw him come off with a moon boot from um, from the last game, so he's got a little bit of an injury there. It's possible that he misses out completely from the squad because of that. Um, in that case, Jimenez is a, a no-brainer, and I think this is probably something like the team we're going to see. The other thing to consider, like I said before, is the, the games after this are kind of free hits in a sense. We play Arsenal, who looked very good. We play Man City, who are always going to be very tough games. Um, do you sort of risk Polina and Pereira and give them this game and then know that you're probably not going to play them for the two games afterwards? Um, if you don't need to, you can actually rest those guys. And with, you know, potential new signings coming in as well, maybe they get an extra rest on top of that as well so you can rotate the team a little bit more. Um, it's all things to consider. But I, I think the biggest one for me, actually, of all of those, um, well, biggest two is Bassi and Polina coming into the side. I think defensively we were fragile at best against Everton, giving up a lot of very good chances. And I think Bassi and Polina would definitely improve that situation massively. Um, Dad, I'll ask you, because I've been a big fan of Lukic in the preseason. Would you potentially pick Lukic over Reed if Polina comes back into the side? Who, who's your pick there? I'd still pick Reed, uh, to be honest. Um, I, as I said before, I, I, I don't have a problem with Sasa Lukic. He looks a good player to me, but I just don't really think we know how to best use him. And I don't think the way we play suits suits him. He's not a Pereira and he's not a Polina. Um so I'm 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 a bit I'm a bit confused as to what we do with him, really. We wait. That's what we do with him. We allow him to we allow him time to blossom like a flower. He's 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 in the he's in the beginning of his Premier League season, and the sunflower needs to wait for the sun. Is my take on Sasalukic? The sun will rise, and so will Sasalukic. I believe in that. I believe that Frodo will get to the mountain. I believe that Sasalukic will come good. When that is, do not ask me. Um, and before you ask the question, I think Reed starts. <laughs> <laughs> even though, even though, even though I've given the plug to Sasalukic, I still believe in Sasalukic. But for for this game, I'm going with Reed. I feel that we just need to like uh, tighten up as defensively as we can. Uh, yeah, I think Lukic is this weird combo of a player between Polina and Reed, but he he is neither of them. If that makes sense, he he has the. He does have defensive ability. I thought defensively he wasn't terrible. He made some good tackles no, against fine. Everton. Um, he moves forward better than Reed does, but isn't as good defensively as Reed is. Polina is probably slightly better offensively, but much better defensively. Um, so he, yeah, I, I think you're right. We do. He does sort of sit in the middle of everything, and we don't really know his place yet. But I think as a backup player and a squad player, he's he's a great option to have coming off the bench. At least someone who's got you know, some international experience. He's got some Champions League experience, a little bit of Premier League experience now. I think it's it's a good option to have at least. I see like Sasa Lukic as like a streetwise tabby cat kind of. Um, I feel I feel that he's that sort of player. I like him in a defensive role, but I feel that he's more clever than anything else. I feel that he's got 
Um, do you know how, like, I mean, Mason Mount cops a lot of flack for this, but you can see that Ma Mason Mount is very in control of what he's doing and his positioning and where he is in games at all times. And I do kind of see that in, like, Sasa Lukic. Um, and so as a result, I don't like comparing a tabby cat to a monster that just eats and attacks everybody, and that's what Polina is. I, it's, it's, it's so hard to pick between the two because yeah, they're, just so, they're so different players, and you, you can use them. They both have a place in this side. But swapping one out for the other, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Black, White and Fred following on the live stream just made a comment, um, which I think is an interesting one, about Bassi and Polinia offering so much more muscle in the team and, mm. and the fact that we look lightweight without them. What's really interesting is we've never seen Bassi and Polinia out uh, together. And I look forward to that. Mm. Well, I mean, there are a couple of instances against Everton. We looked from corners and set pieces. We we just looked a little undercooked. There there wasn't the height of Polina. We didn't have Mitra on the on the field. We didn't have Bassi there. Uh, Reem is pretty good in the air, but he's not. He doesn't have that presence that you would get from having Diop, Bassi, and Polina and Mitra all standing in the box defending a corner, for example, and also attacking mm. corners and set pieces like. A couple yeah. of times we were playing the ball to Harry Wilson and we had to be a bit more creative than actually putting the ball into a dangerous area and backing your players to head the ball into the back of the net. We were having to play the ball to the edge of the box and looking for other runs and other ways to score goals. And I think it'd be nice to just have those options of those more physical, taller players in the team. Um, but look, it's it's tough to say. We always try and predict what Silva's going to do. We never, ever get it right. Um so I'm looking forward to to seeing what Silva actually puts out on the park in what he knows is an important game for the fans. So I don't think he's going to leave anyone out if they are able to play at the very least. Um, looking at the Brentford side, uh, a couple of things to mention. Um, Jensen, who usually starts in midfield for Brentford, limped off injured midway through the Spurs game. Ben Mee, who would usually be a starting centre-back for Brentford, also is... Uh, currently out with an injury and at least a doubt for this weekend. So those two are probably going to be missing. Um, another one to sort of mention is the Brentford keeper. Now, I don't know if you guys remember watching the preseason games, but in comparison to David Raya, who's now obviously signed with Arsenal, who it, it, I didn't think was the best keeper ever, but had a very, very good season last year and did make quite a lot of good saves. Um, Flecken is nowhere near that level. Um, Brentford are really weak, weakest in goal, I'd say. Um, Dad and Sam, do you think Flecken is a good enough replacement or do you think Brentford are going to be looking to sign a keeper over the next couple of weeks? Certainly didn't look that way in, in the summer series when we saw him. Um, wasn't wasn't impressive. Um, mm. I, so I agree with you there. <clears throat> but if if he was... If he was that terrible, um, you may have seen it in the result last weekend. I mean, they did concede two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two still went in, and, and a very, very, very competitive um, fixture. But I, I'm, I'm not an ever, I'm not a Brentford expert, <laughs> so and I, I, I have not spent time uh, analyzing Flecken and all of his ins and outs. 
Um, uh, although I guess in hindsight, uh, I think you, yeah, you are right because he has let through quite a few goals. I mean, well, we put three past him in preseason. Obviously, it's preseason, so you can't really tell. And again, it's I mean, it's hard to tell when um, you're going against a a really invigorated Tottenham side under Ange Postecoglou, whose entire thing is just attack for dear life. Again, I I really feel like this game is going to really kind of, I mean, this is the the black light in the hotel room of to where where like what what's working, what's not going to work for the rest of the season because this could be a great day for us, um, or it could be a an uncomfortable an uncomfortable visit to Legoland. I, I I don't agree with you that the, the, these games are that's why real we have pointers. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying this game pointers. I'm just saying because this game. I, this is. What, what, if you keep interrupting me, it doesn't, it doesn't doesn't make your point more valid. <laughs> I just, um, I just, I just like twisting your knobs. You're, you're my mood. Okay. Um, no, I, I, we, in my view, we just need to get through the next four weeks. That's it. I mean, it is. It is. That's a. a a little bit depressing hearing it said like that, but it's true. We we got a tough run of fixtures ahead, and we haven't signed the players that we actually need at this stage, at least. So it it, it does feel a little bit like that. But um, look, Tony Khan has a quid pro quo. Should offer a massive discount on uh, on the, the the door fee at Craven Cottage. You know, for the first oh, month. Yeah, Tony Khan is that not going to yeah <laughs> bumping up three thousand dollars. Two thousand pound seats. That's never going to happen. Not Tony's mo. That is the opposite of his business strategy. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try and give some dude. actual football insight here. Um, <laughs> I'll give some football insight and say um, the the formation that Brentford play with three at the back and then their wing backs in um, in Hickey and Henry. I think we're going to find that. Willian and Wilson potentially aren't going to have quite as much space as they've been used to usually when they play. Um, And that is where a lot of our chances actually come. We haven't created much through the middle. And I think if Pereira's not playing, we're not going to create a huge amount through the middle of the park either. Um, At least going forward with them not having players out wide, we we should be able to shut a lot of it down with Polina and Reed in the middle in front of um, whoever our back two is. But, I think going forward, it's it's going to be a little more of a struggle and we're going to have to have our best players out in the park to actually make this one, um, make the most of our opportunities here. Um, as a few people have mentioned in the live stream, um, obviously the fact that Ivan Tony is no not available for Brentford, um, definitely a big advantage for us. But Brian and Bremo and Wiss are both up front, have looked really good in pre-season and look good against Tottenham as well. So... They're definitely not to be sniffed at. I don't think it's going to be an easy win for us by any chance. But um, look, I'm hopeful that we do get a good result from this game. I'm hopeful that Brentford are probably in a similar boat where they haven't made a huge number of signings. I know they bought in Collins from Wolves. uh, And uh, I think Damsgaard as well might be a new signing fairly recently. But apart from that, it's it's quite a, a settled Brentford side who haven't hugely taking big strides forward. So I'm hopeful that we can actually, you know, 
shut down Brentford's counter-attacking style of play with Polina and Reed just sort of marshalling the defensive midfield area and stop Brentford from really striking uh, when we're we're pushing forward. So uh, look, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. I, I'm I'm quietly confident, but at the same time, I don't really want to be too confident because it's a derby and you just never know how derbies are going to go. Um, let's have a very quick look. Speaking of confidence, at our predictions. Now these predictions were made. Uh, I can't remember when they were. It was before the season even started. I think we were talking about mm. these late July, maybe around the summer series sort of time. Um, Sammy, you predicted a three-two victory over Brentford. Are you sticking with that? To be honest, I actually four am. Of them in a row? Well, yeah, because yeah, that's the most logical conclusion when it comes to when we play Brentford. That is our favourite scoreline. So it's just going to come down to whether it's us or them. And I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say it's us. Keep you away from a roulette table if that's your strategy. Keep betting on the same number because it's surely going to come up again. I do not gamble. Please gamble responsibly. Thank you. Uh, Dad, you predicted a, a one all, same as me here. What are your thoughts? Are you sticking with that or do you think you've seen enough to change that? I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and keep it at one all because my instinct tells me it could be more pessimistic than that. Um, oh. But I'm going, to, I'm going to stick with one all. Yeah, I'm... I, I almost feel like this has got a nil-nil written all over it. I feel like it, it really, it massively depends on what team we put out. There's a, there's a huge difference between having Pereira, Mitro and Polina all starting for you and having Lukic, Kenny and Jimenez starting. Um, and I, I think if we put our full team out, I could almost see us sneaking a win here. But if we don't have everyone available... I think a draw is probably going to be a good result for us. And I think we'd take that as well, take four points from the first two games, expect to lose against Arsenal and Man City and come away with four from four to start the season would be a pretty good result. Um, I, I'm sticking with a draw. I don't know if it's going to be one all. I, I, I wouldn't be that surprised if it was a, a nil-nil this one. Um, Sammy, you, you looked a bit dumbfounded that we're both predicting draws rather than your win. Oh, I mean that—that that could be the delirium. Uh, I'm, I'm just well, a reactive guy. I just, I just, I just uh, react to things. I'm nil, not. Nil, yeah. nil nil. Are you sitting on something, Sam? You keep squealing. Right there. Um, a uh, nil nil. Uh, a nil nil result sort of conflicts with your feelings about their uh, their goalkeeper, Jack. That's what I thought. Yeah, I, I get that, but I, I think if we if we don't have Pereira on the field and if we don't have Mitro starting either, I don't know if we're going to create enough chances. I mean, we only had two shots on target against a very poor Everton side, um, uh, and that was after we bought on Pereira and Mitro. If, if Mitro's injury keeps him out of the squad entirely and if we're still managing Pereira's input into the game... I'm just not sure we have enough to actually create chances at this rate. So it, it, I, I'm just not 100% sure we're going to actually make a breakthrough if we don't have the best side out there. And, and thinking about that further, if if there's even an outside chance that Fulham pick up their required £50 million for Metro because 
um, they finally concede and actually offer it. And Mitro is a bit injured. Are they going to play him? That's pretty risky. Fuck yeah, I would. Get him out there. <laughs> if you're about to ship him off for 50 mil, as if the Saudis are going to care about doing medicals. They're just signing players left, right, and center just to put them on social media posts. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I genuinely don't think they would turn down a signing because of a medical. They're signing all these guys in their late 30s to run around in empty stadiums. Why would they care if Mitro's got a bum ankle? Um, it's obviously still a bit of an issue for him, seeing as he injured it literally 12 months ago and he's still getting off trains in moon boots after games. You know, we saw he he potentially has an injury and they're still chasing him even harder now than they were previously when he was fit. So Question, I, I don't think it would actually furious. make a big difference. Question, would you guys be furious if the injury was all a ruse and he just goes to the Saudi league and then he just turns into like Benzema or something like that? I mean, I don't think it is a ruse because I, I think he loves playing and scoring goals. Um but yeah, obviously that would be annoying. Um, e- either way, he if he goes to Saudi, he's going to score goals because it's a terrible competition. Um, let's have a quick look at a couple of bits of news before we uh, wrap up. First things first, we'll do a quick wrap on the Fantasy League. Um, been a good start. As I think you mentioned, Sammy, we, we have about 50 people participating, which is um, I think got insanely good and um, is it more than that now? I think we, I think we generally do more than remember. that. I need a, I need to double check, but like I'm pretty sure we've actually got more. Last time I checked, right here now. Um, oh no, it's bang on fifty. Um, is it bang on fifty? Oh, okay, cool. Exactly fifty people this week. So, um, yeah, look, a, a really thank you everyone who's signed up. It's, uh, it's good fun looking at some of these names and seeing a few names that we recognise from live streams and from interacting with us on Twitter as well. Um, Top of the That's So Craven League currently, Artem Archukov, guessing I pronounced that terribly, picking up 95 points and uh, sitting pretty at the very top at the moment. Uh, I can see Ash, I think that's Ash there, sitting in sixth place, is with us on the live stream as well. Well done, Ash. And Colm Bulger as well, who's usually on the live stream with us, doing really well. So um, oh, it's really enjoyable, actually, just seeing some of these names and interacting with a few guys um, about our fantasy. So, yeah, please keep it up and and keep the chat coming. We'll uh, continue to shout out the best player in each game week. And like I said, at the end of the season, we'll have a couple of little prizes that we can hand out to whoever finishes top and maybe I think a wooden spoon as well. Um, transfers in. Adama Traore. So kind of unexpected this one and I'm sure... You guys touching it on Tuesday, but um, the fact that we've picked up someone on a free that came sort of out of nowhere um, s- kind of screams really good recruitment for me. Adama Traore obviously spent um, some time on loan with Barcelona. He's very successful as a Wolves player. He's definitely not polished, and I think uh, when I was talking to you, Dad, I compared him to a, a better version of AK-47. Um, and a, a yeah. sort of cross between AK-47 and Dan James where you've got this absolute wrecking ball who's ridiculously fast but doesn't really have the end product. He's, he's, and if he did have the end product, geez, he'd be a world beater. But a really good signing. Sammy, I know you're excited because you're able to use him on FIFA now. Um, oh, yeah. But 
Um, Dad, your initial thoughts on on signing Traore on a free? Uh, I I think it's just opportunistic. I think I, I don't really know how he's going to go. Yes, he's fast. Yes, he he th- threatens danger. Um, but I I hope I hope we can fashion him into something and use him as a as a, a like a really good tactical weapon. The way we tried to with AK-47, but he was just crazy. Crazy good. I love him. Um, <laughs> Sammy, you, your thoughts, apart from FIFA, your thoughts on Adama Traore signing? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I like Baby All every now and then. It makes you glisten. Um, it's good for an anniversary. That's a different podcast. No, it's just a bit of a weird one. It just kind of feels like it just came out of a bit of nowhere. Um, uh, like, I, I, yeah, I like Adama Traore. We need the squad depth. It it does feel like an upgrade on Dan James. I, I find it really funny that um, Silver always has to have somebody really fast in the team at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what his future is here. It feels if I mean, ha, like, how long have we signed him for? Like three years. I think Something it was like a three year deal. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I don't. I, I only really see him coming off the bench. I don't really see him as a... I, f- I see him as an impact sub player. I like the fact that we're bulking the squad out to have really positive rotation um, uh, for the later seasons. And again, it does feel like we're trying to build something to cha- challenge for European spots. Um, it's just a bit weird. It, it just it's, it's completely out of nowhere. Very, very random, but yeah, come on, yeah, I like, I like, I like Adama Traore. I mean, he does I think, <coughs> I think if if he came in on the final day of the season on loan, for example, right, everyone would just go, "Yep, great, excellent." Mm-hmm. But mm. because he comes in at this point, when all of the signings that you want and expect to happen are just pipe dreams at the moment, um. It feels weird because on his own, not good enough. But if, if we get the signings we hope we're going to get, happy to have him on board. Really happy mm. to have him in. You know, it's kind of how I feel about it. So I can't get too excited about it at, at this point. Well, I think I you kind I, of nailed I, it there. It, it really depends on who comes in alongside him. Uh, and mm. I think there's a little bit of a worry that, We've signed Triore, and does that maybe mean Damari Gray and Hudson Adoy deals are wavering and uh, or off? Um, and, and if we if Adama Triore is our only signing for an additional winger this season, it isn't good enough for me. Mm, I think he's a yep. great option off the bench and a great rotation option, but is he going to displace Harry Wilson at this nope. rate with the way Wilson's playing? Probably not. Um, whereas you look at someone like a Damari Gray and a Hudson Adoy, they could replace Wilson. I would have thought playing at the very best. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, uh, uh, but I think it's a good pickup. At the end of the day, it's a free deal. It's just wages that are going to be outlaid for him. He's only twenty seven. We've signed him for three years. Look, at the end of the day, if he has a pretty good season and we sell him for ten fifteen million at the end of the year, ah, uh, it's actually pretty good business for me. Uh, I think. Uh, it's it's an exciting pickup. It's just we're not excited enough because there's more to do, and it feels like mm. it's it should just be the start of our business. 
but at at the moment it's the end of our business so uh, i agree it's there's there's not the excitement there should be for a deal like this um but yeah as ash mentions on our live stream here you bring him on in the 60th minute against tiring defenses and he really will run riot um mm. which we saw dan james try to do it a few times just didn't have, didn't have the ability to i think triore is a different beast literally you have to take mm. the ball with you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think the one thing I like about Chore is he, his um his confidence, and that's what we didn't see with Dan James. You saw Dan James would get the ball, he'd run, and just wouldn't know where to do where to go with and, it. And also, know what to, do. to be fair, Dan James was um Tiny. sort of quite light on light on his feet. He'd get bumped mm. off the ball a lot. This is not going to happen to Chore. He's a very strong yeah. bloke. And, he's a nice way of saying uh, so five he, foot he's, two, I think. Yeah, he's a big. He's a he's a he's a big upgrade, and I, I really hope it works. Really hope it works. Yeah, I th- I think some of those instances last season when Dan James had the ball and the opportunity to break, I would love to have had someone like Adama Traore there instead because you know that he would run at goal hard, and at least put a shot on target. Dan, we we lost lost out on a lot of opportunities last season. I think through Dan James just not having that confidence there. Um, the, the last one I want to talk about, and we've sort of mentioned it a few times so far, but Mitro, it, it seems like the the more and the more it continues, the more it goes on, it seems like it is going to happen at some point. Um, Saudi's transfer window goes for a week longer than ours, so there's still three weeks for them to conclude this deal. Um, there's a lot of chatter about whether it's better to just effectively cut our losses, even though we're taking a big win on it, but to accept the offer, get the money through the door so that we have enough time to bring in a replacement. Uh, by the sounds of things, we are already looking for a replacement. We've been linked with Balogun from uh, from Arsenal recently. Um, he'd be costing us probably 40 to 50 million as well after a good season in League R. Um, but, Dad, for you, do we just accept the deal for Mitro, the 52 or 50 million or whatever it is at the moment that's being offered, and bring an end to all of this or do we continue to fight to keep one of our best ever goal scorers? It, it, it's sort of dawning on me why we're in this problem and it links back to everything we've been talking about. Oh, because even if, yeah, even if we get 45, 50, 52 million pounds from Mitrovic right now, if you think about the way that it seems Tony Khan likes to or maybe the only way he can do business is he he just can't bring himself to sign a marquee player early for and and potentially pay a little premium to get him in the door and make it a certainty so may, maybe um you know if, if either we had lots more money to spend you would be lining up that player early and then you'd feel comfortable and confident about letting Mitro go now. But even if we bagged 50 million pounds for Mitro, do you really believe that in the next seven days we'll go out and sign a player, a big striker? I can't see it. We'll use that 50 million pounds and we'll try and nick someone at the last minute. And that could end up in utter disaster. And I think, Somewhere deep in his gut, maybe he, he 
he, as in Tony Khan, knows that. I, I think a lot of this... Go, go on, Sammy. Go on, Sammy. I just think that's an astute observation. I mean, I am... I I I really lean on the side of just just let this happen. Like just just do the business. Get it, like get Mitrovic out the door, and then just spend the rest of this transfer window just focusing really hard on that option. Because if I if I was a striker and I um was looking at coming to us. I wouldn't feel comfortable until Mitrovic is officially out the door. That deal is officially done. It stagnates our business. It stagnates everything. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't even care if it makes me unpopular in like the Fulham fan base. I think it, it's just, he, I think he just has to go in order for us to progress as a team, progress um, uh, structurally and just get back to focusing on the season and the games that we have in hand as opposed to just focusing on this Mitrovic bollocks. It's just it's just wasted so much time, in my opinion. But if you think about it, we've actually got, given everything we've been talking about and the timing and the likely sequence of events, we've probably got about three days to close this out yeah. and get the well, money. Honestly, and, it, honestly. and if we don't, we're in big trouble, Yeah. Uh, regardless of, you know, even if we sell Mitrovic four days before... The window closes. That that really gives us a, a, a very tough ask to to find a really good player. Mm. Well, look, I, I think we've we've seen Mitro doesn't mind playing for Fulham, even though all this is going on. It's not like he has gone on strike. Like a few, you know, I'm looking at um, Nonto at at Leeds, who wants to leave Leeds and has basically just gone on strike and said, "I am not playing for Leeds until I get my transfer." Um, Mitro is happy to play for us. He came off the bench and played well. He celebrated with the players after scoring a goal. He's not on the outer at the moment. He's training with the team. So that's not an issue. I, I don't think we're going to sell Mitro until we've got a replacement lined up. Now, it looks like we really are God, stepping up. Well, no, I, I genuinely don't think it's it's not a chance of we'll sign him and hope we sign someone. Sorry, we'll sell Mitro and then we hope we sign someone else. I think it's almost going to be same day. We, we'll have agreed everything and it will hinge on the Metro sale. I don't think we're going to give ourselves and put ourselves in a position where we don't have someone to replace him. Because we, we know that um, that we need another striker. We know that we're going to have the money coming into us. Um, so all, all that needs to be done is you make an agreement with, let's say it is Balogun from Arsenal, you make an agreement and say, Arsenal want 45 mil for him, so we need to make sure we get at least 45 mil for Mitro, agree personal terms, and then it's just effectively a sort of straight swap almost. I, I just don't see a, a position or any kind of instance where we let Mitro go and we don't have a backup option because he seems happy to stay. And so if they're not going to match our valuation and if we can't get someone in to replace him, why would we sell him? There's there's no reason to do so. He's not unhappy um, we've signed him up to a new contract if you want. You save all the money, save the hassle. Um, I, I think there's there's still a little way to go on this one. I think the club would probably like to get rid of him, not in a way that we're, we're trying to be shot of him completely, but I think with everything that's happened, it makes more sense for him to now move on. But that won't happen unless we've got a replacement. 
Disagree? Yeah. Disagree? I mean, I'd like. Well, I I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I just don't necessarily think it's the best way to go about it. I just, I just, it's the only I, way to go I, about it. You, you it's can't not the only way him. to go about it. Though. You can't well, sell him and then move on and not that's have exactly a replacement what you can do. set. Because then, no, no, because then we're buggered. But they, these are well, not these are not assets that sit off on a shelf. They're real yeah. people who have emotions and are petty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 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 you know will react to certain situations if they think they've been, you know, financially sort of had had opportunities taken away from them. So it's it's not as simple as do we sell him or don't we? What's he worth or not? Because you know. It, it it almost doesn't matter if you know if Mitrovic feels like um, they should have let him go and they don't. Um, he's not going to be happy. It's not like it's not like a piece of machinery that just keeps running. If you keep mm. uh, plugging the the, the the plug into the wall, yeah, he's not a car, it, you know. <laughs> no, so it, I know, it but does we, we come... from from everything that Silver has said is that. Mitro is happy to to play. He's not. He's never once said that he will never play for Fulham again, as had been reported. Uh, I think there's a little bit more in the background to this story than than meets the eye that we're stopping him from moving. I think really what's happening is the the news coming out of Saudi Arabia is Mitro really wants to leave, but we've not heard any confirmed reports that Mitro actually wants to leave. No, but if you don't, I don't need. I, I, I'm sure there's so much nonsense and bollocks being reported and stirred up by mischievous PR agents or mm. people acting on acting on behalf of interested parties. Right? No doubt about any of that. All I'm saying is, if the numbers are to be believed, and Mitro's salary is actually going up by those multiples, can anyone be surprised he wants to go? And, you know, I mean, he's obviously pretty keen on that kind of uplift in his salary and it's a lot of money. So if, you know, you, you say he's happy to play for Fulham, but if he thinks this is his one and only chance to massively increase his wealth, maybe he's not going to be that happy about playing for Fulham. Mm. It's, yeah, I mean, apparently, yeah. according to reports that have come out today, apparently he's happy to take a wage cut at Al-Hilal to move to Al-Hilal, which doesn't make any sense. He's happy to be paid. It is more than he's currently getting paid, but it's not astronomical amounts anymore with the wage cut that's being reported. So it just it just doesn't feel real yet, the amount of reports that are coming out saying that he's a... I mean, he's been signing for the last four weeks and he, he's never once travelled over there there's no actual confirmation. Every time they've said that he, uh, after the Everton game, he was seen boarding a flight and they were saying he was flying out to agree a deal. That's what all of their verified journalists were saying. And actually he was traveling with Sasa Lukic to Serbia. Like it's, it's, it just, I don't fully believe what's happening out there in the media. And I think people get frustrated because it's just taking so much time and we don't have a, a final, um, sort of decision on this whole thing yet and it, it is turning into a saga and we don't want it to because we just want answers mm. i think i a, think if it was all i think if it was all completely bollocks marcus silver would never have even addressed it publicly in, mm. in, you have to address it journalists sit down and ask you 100 questions about it you have to address yeah. it 
Yeah, oh, but he, yeah, he but could just could, he could turn around and go, oh, I'm not even going to give that any respect. It's just nonsense. And he, he hasn't done that. So you can't imagine for a moment that the bids aren't real. Um, you can't imagine that, yeah, every a lot about it isn't real. Um, I'm tired of it. And uh, I agree. I think it's it's definitely time to wrap this one up either way. Um, and look, I, I don't know which way this will fall, but it does seem like um, we may have, well, this weekend could possibly be the last time we see Mitro if he does make an appearance. If not, we have seen the last of Alexander Mitrovic playing for Fulham. Um, and look, we'll, we'll cover it in more detail when we get a final answer. I've been saying that for months now, literally, because this has dragged on and on and on. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we get some clarity in the next week or so, because like you said, by the time um, the, the transfer window closes, we need to have a, a new striker in place. I, I would not be confident going into the season and running all the way through to December, playing 20-odd games with Jimenez as our number one striker. I just don't think he is a, a key talisman that you want up front. I think we need to sign someone who, who can effectively replace Mitro, not like-for-like like in terms of playing style, but like-for-like like in terms of ability. Um, I just truly believe we're not going to be able to do that until he's out the door. I just truly, I just truly believe that, like, if we're, if if I'm Tammy Abraham, I'm not interested in signing for Fulham until Mitrovic is gone. That doesn't, no, no that sure. doesn't make sense. I mean, you, you, no, what do you mean? They, they'd come to an agreement before Mitro has gone. Hundred percent. The reason Mitro has not left the club yet is because Fulham haven't got a replacement sorted yet. They'll they'll have oh. personal terms agreed before Mitro is officially sold. I, I guarantee, because there it's too risky to let someone go and not have a replacement for him when he's a key man. Be like selling Mitro and Polina and not having a backup for them and saying, "Oh, we'll sort it out before then." Players, players, and, and the signing of a, a backup striker will be hanging on him, and you you're not worried that you're not going to be playing because Mitro is going to be there. You'd know he's leaving. And you wouldn't sign unless he does actually leave. Um, but anyway, look, it's tiring talking about it. We go round and round in circles, unfortunately. But hopefully, we get some clarity in the next couple of days. Um, Are you so, happy? guys? Would you yeah, be happy to see the back of Mitrovic, Jack? Will I be happy to see the back of him? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'd love him to stay. I think he is. I mean, he's one of the best strikers outside the top six clubs in the Premier League. He, If mm. he hadn't got suspended last year and injured throughout the whole season, he would have scored 20-plus goals in the Premier League last season. Uh, and he's he's so comfortable. Uh, so I'll, I'll the rephrase the question. Him. I'll rephrase yeah. the question. If he really wants to go, how do you feel about that? Are you still sorry that he's leaving? If he really wants to go, I, I can't. I can't be angry at him for wanting to go and um, financially set himself up for life. So I'm not going to be pissed off with him. I think it's a dumb decision. Um, but, you know, I, I'd still, I still would like him to stay. If, if he is happy to play for Fulham, I'll be happy to keep him. I, I don't think we're going to be in a situation. Sure. If he's really, really unhappy, I think we will sell him because it's dumb to keep a player and not cash in on him. But if he's happy to continue playing for us, even if he's not hugging the players every week, if he's scoring goals, I don't really care at that point. 
Mm, I kind of do. I kind of do. Because I feel that that bleeds into the rest of the squad and then you end up having a much bigger problem. If you've got a, if you've got a toxic team, I mean, we saw it with Cristiano Ronaldo and um, Man U, how basically his presence there really had a massively negative impact on a lot of different players. And I, 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 I don't like that in the squad. I like everybody to be happy. I like everybody to be like standing around singing Kumbaya because if everyone's working for each other, then that's that's how that's how you make that's how you make great teams. Um, I think if and, that was the situation though, Silver would have cut Mitro out of the first team already, and he wouldn't even be with the squad. He wouldn't be. I mean, he was training off to the side at one point. He had a chat with Tony Khan. He had a chat with Silver, and he's back in amongst the playing group. Silver would not risk the playing group and the culture there and and the vibe there at the moment by bringing in someone he thought was toxic. Mm. Anyway, yes, no? a couple of games. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Know. Yeah. I don't yeah. <laughs> we don't know. That's 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 basically the takeaway from this. We we just don't know. Um, and like I said, I think over the next, I'm sure by this time next week we will have some answers because we're going to be a week away from the transfer window closing. And I I very much doubt Metro is going to be sold in the last four or five days of the window because it's just going to get too tight for, for everyone involved at that point. Um, so, guys, let's let's wrap it up there. We've managed to cover a lot of stuff here and um, unfortunately we've had to talk about the Mitro deal yet again, but it is front and centre of everything to do with Fulham at the moment because it is it's such a big transfer. I think it's it, it would definitely be our, our record transfer fee received for a player. Um and, you know, one of, I think he's currently sixth on the list of all-time top goal scorers for Fulham. So it's a big transfer, big outgoing transfer, and it, it is something that we do need to give some time to. Um, hopefully it's all finished up soon, though. So, guys, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this Brentford game. Uh, it's the last time we play uh, a team that we should hopefully be beating for a couple of weeks. So trying to make the most of this one. Um, Sammy, you excited for the game this weekend? Yeah, I'm excited. I got a busy weekend, so like, I, I, <laughs> this, this game is going to be a very welcome addition to an otherwise chaotic couple of days I got to go through. But uh, no, I mean, just being back in the Premier League's good. It's good. It's good. It's good for my brain. It's good for my heart. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this game. I am going to enjoy this game, no matter what comes of it. Because, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can fully enjoy the Man City game. Although, if it's the same as last season, who's mm-hmm. to say? Who's to say? Very true. And, Dad, looking forward to this one this weekend? Uh, I'm, I'm a bit anxious about it, really. Um, <laughs> that doesn't feel like we're well-placed to, 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 to really put, our, put in a great show. Um, I, I'm hoping for the best, and I'll, I'll feel a lot better if I'm proved wrong in that first five, ten, ten minutes. Yeah, definitely. And uh, look, I'll be feeling a lot better uh, an hour out from the game when the lineup gets announced, because uh, I think if we saw Polina's name, Pereira's name, Bassi's name, Mitro's name, it's it's a very different side that we'll be running out against Brentford, and I'd I'd actually get even more excited for the game because I think that would possibly be the turning point. But we'll have to wait and see. 
So, guys, let's wrap it up there. Um, looking forward to this one this weekend and looking forward to catching up with you guys, uh, hopefully over the weekend, maybe on Sunday or Monday, to recap this, this game and hopefully recap a win. But until then, come on, you whites. Whites.